Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly Drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically we're regular dudes drinking regular beer Mm -hmm. and talking about magic, uh, usually Magic the Gathering Arena, but not always. Yeah, because today we are actually doing a Drunken Vorthos episode all about the Innistrad backstory, if you didn't know about it, so... You, you're going to learn a lot about it right now. <laughs> That's right. So I hope that you want to <laughs> learn about it. Yeah, they'll learn some stuff. You're going to learn, okay, you're going to learn some stuff. Um, hopefully it's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we could shoot for 100% right here, Zach. Oh, no. I, never. Never will we yeah. shoot for 100%. <laughs> um, it's like most of the stuff we say is right. I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I think that's true. And as long as it's mostly um, articulate and not completely slurred, but you never know. Right. Um, but first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and nah, we're not doing that this week. Hey! Nope. (laughs) Nope, not this week. We've got another silver series for ya. Mm. Mm -hmm. We just liked the first one a couple weeks ago so much that we're doing it again. Yeah. Plus it feels like it just fits so well with the Drunken Vorthos episodes, which are a little less structured. Yeah, exactly. Even, or so, should I say even less structured? Even, yes, even <laughs> less structured than the the normal ones, I guess. Um, so, Jeff, what is a Silver Series episode? Okay, so long-time listeners of the show will know that we rate beers on a scale of bronze to mythic. These are the tiers in Arena. And Silver Tier usually denotes a beer that is essentially a macro beer, or it could be a micro brew that reminds you of a macro brew that you know doesn't have a ton going on. There's nothing fancy, really, with it. And so a silver series is where we bring all silver beers because we want to show some love to the silver beers too, you know? We don't, we don't uh, dis- discriminate, you know? Exactly, yeah. I mean, like, you can love a silver beer and also just know, yeah, but it's still a silver. Like, it's not blowing yeah, me yeah. away. But they're all, like, ones that I go back to often when I want to drink lots of beer. <laughs> so Totally. <laughs> and you could love it and just be like, I know it's not the best beer in the world or whatever, but exactly. I like it for yeah. whatever reason that may be. So tonight we have four silver beers, uh, which you don't know what they are yet, but we'll slowly tell you as we open them. And then at the end of the episode, we are going to rate them in the different uh, one, two, three, and four tiers of silver. And yeah, and then maybe we'll have a gauntlet at the end after we do all the silver beers, which is a long way to go. Yeah. So <laughs> if, we ever, if we ever do all of them. Well, that's the goal, kind of. That's basically the goal. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the first beer that is on tap this week for our Silver Series is going to be... Jeff, do you want to say? Stella Artois. Yeah, Stella. <laughs> um, I'm happy with this one. I'm excited to be, be, to be doing Stella on the show. Yeah, so we noticed last time we did all North American beers, so... I guess this is our international edition of the of the Silver Series. It sure is. So Stella is a Belgian beer. It's 5%. And actually, it was founded in the year 1366. Wow. Zach, you said 13. Is that what you meant? 13, yeah. 13? 13. That's a long wow. time ago. Coming up on their freaking 700-year anniversary. Yeah. Pretty it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> In my I, lifetime, that will happen. Does it, did anyone know that this beer was that fucking old? Because I had no idea. Um, <laughs> no, I thought it was a typo when you wrote this down. I'm like, it's probably 1866. Or yeah. Something. But you look at the can, and it definitely says... Well, it's probably because it says Anno 1366. So I don't really... Th- I just like, oh, those are numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what that denotes. Yeah, but on the can, it even says over 600 years of Belgian brewing. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> happy, That's awesome. Happy to have it. <laughs> 
um, excited for that. All right, magic news. We had the MPL and Rivals Gauntlet this last weekend. It was finished, so finally we have every single player that was gonna be at Worlds. Uh, they've been picked. They haven't been picked. They've been. They've won their spot. Their ticket. They have tickets. <laughs> The stage every... is set for the final <laughs> yeah, fantasy. There you go. <laughs> yes, the stage is set for the, our final fantasy. So uh, stay tuned for that episode where we pick players for the <laughs> world championship. But Jeff, should we just tell everyone who's going to be at Worlds? Yeah, sure. There aren't that many of them. So I guess we'll start with uh, you know the first two to get in. That's uh, Paolo Vitor, Damona Rosa, and Andre Strasky. And then after that, it was Ely Cassis and Stanislav Sivka. Followed up was Seth Manfield and Gabriel Nassif. Then Matt Sperling and Yuta Takahashi. Sam Pardee and Nori- Noriyuki Mori, excuse me. Arne Hushimbet and then Kaisuke Sato. And just recently, this past weekend, Jean-Emmanuel Desprats and Ray Sato. And finally, Yoshihiko Ikawa and Jan Merkel. Congratulations to everyone that won this weekend. And um, I am a little sad Kai Buda did not make it in because he had a, just a really great weekend. I didn't watch really any of it, but uh, I was following along with the scores, and I was kind of I was kind of just, pulling just, for Kai, a little bit. Yeah, me too. Actually, <laughs> I wanted him to you know just keep his best player of all time streak going. That would have been cool. Tournament. But uh, also, we apparently have a historic arena open this weekend. I didn't yeah. know that was going to happen. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Thanks, Twitter, I guess, for the, uh, for the info there. Telling us. I, there wasn't really a big announcement, but uh, hey, there's an arena open, I think, on September 11th or 12th. Yeah. Normally, we'd give you guys a prep episode, you know, all the dirty deets you need to know for that. But <clears throat> honestly, I don't know if uh, I have any advice to give about the current historic metagames. So. I have some advice. Uh, my advice yeah. is don't play Merfolk. And there you it. go. You heard it here. Probably not first, folks. Uh. <laughs> Probably not. That's it. That's all I got to tell you. Um, mm-hmm. don't know a ton about historic because it's still fucking crazy right now. <laughs> yeah, everything's all over the place. Everything's all over the place. All right, talking about all over the place. Jeff, do you want to just jump right into like talking about Innistrad? Oh yeah, that's what these episodes <laughs> are all about. All right, so basically we're going to do our best to try to give you the most knowledge about the story of Innistrad before the news sets come out. So maybe you have an, uh, a leg up because we have been to Innistrad two other times uh, in, you know, magic's history so it might be helpful to know a little bit about what happened yeah and there should be some returning characters i mean we're already seeing a bunch of them being spoiled Mm -hmm. so uh it's kind of just fun if you know who these people are and what the kind of gist of the plane is in general exactly um so broad strokes uh you probably already know this but innistrad is like the gothic horror um plane so it's full of vampires and werewolves. There's like ghosts and ghouls and humans to be attacked. Uh, there's demons and devils. There's also some dragons, actually. So look out for those. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just kind of like horror movies come to life. Um, yeah, which, exactly. It was designed top down from that motif, right? Exactly. So this is the first set that ever had transform cards because they wanted to get the idea of transforming from a human into a werewolf so that's why we have um flip cards real like double face cards for the first time uh so that's huge (laughs) that is pretty cool i mean those were a huge hit everyone loved them so yeah and we are now currently in the year of flip cards so that's um, (laughs) right yeah they they became such a staple of of the game that you know i can't even remember the last time 
there wasn't a standard that had flip cards in it. Exactly. At least one, right? So, wow. All right. So as far as Innistrad goes, we're going to kind of try our best to start with original Innistrad and move through it. But there's going to be a bunch of jumping around because obviously there's a bunch of things that happened. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, should we just kind of, like, how do we start this? Do we just start with, like, the, the characters that are on Innistrad? Probably. I mean, I guess them. the, like, absolute basic is that it's, at its core, it's a battle of, like, light versus dark. Yes, right? okay. That's what, kind of the whole plane. Yeah, it's this gothic horror-inspired plane. But the story or the struggle of the plane is that there's the, the light, which um, is pretty much humans. Yeah. And then there's, I guess, angels as well. And then there's the dark, which is kind of mostly vampires and werewolves. Yeah, but also some demons to fuck some shit up. And um, yeah, and the and spirits. You know, you gotta have yeah, your ghosts. Yeah, uh, that's so. true. But some of the ghosts are good, though. That's so. yeah. The ghosts are kind of on either side. It, it depends, depends who died, I suppose. Yeah, um, who died and who brought them back. But. A lot of it is humans versus everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then the angels are the protectors of the humans. Like, without the angels, the humans would just get overrun by these kind of more powerful, you know, werewolves and vampires and whatnot. Yeah, so talking about the angels, because they are the ones that are protecting these humans from the evil forces, they tend to kind of become um, religious figures, kind of like messiahs uh, of sorts. Um, So I don't know, actually, this is a great question to start with. Um, (laughs) We know the... The history of like Avison and stuff, but the other angels were just like around, right? They've just been kind of there, because essentially angels are like mana. There are, I don't know, embodiments of mana, basically. Right, and, and the demons are like the dark version of that. Yes. Right. The, which will come up a bit later. When we talk about Avison, but exactly. Um, but the the starting angels are kind of like Sigarda and Bruna mm-hmm. and Gisela. And mm-hmm. uh, there's another one. There's the the black lined one, Lisa. Late. She just got spoiled recently, um, but she was okay. around originally. I haven't seen that spoiler actually. All right. Well, she's a really good card. We'll talk about spoilers next week, so you'll see that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> tune in next week. Exactly. Um, but as far as like the beginnings of kind of early early Innistrad, has a lot to do with the Markov vampire family. So you've mm-hmm. probably heard about Soren Markov because he's, well, a really big character in the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a planeswalker. He's out, He's in a lot of different planes. He goes around. He's also one of the oldest planeswalkers, like, ever. And also, and so that also means he's, like, the oldest vampire. One of them. Um, totally. But his grandfather is Edgar Markov, who's, like, that's a commander card. But, um, yeah. If you've played commander, you're probably familiar. Yeah. And there's something with Edgar, or sorry, yeah, Edgar Markov, he, like, was trying to figure out how to, st- I don't know if he was a vampire originally or what happened. Mm. I think he was. I don't, uh, but this story's strange. So, basically, he wanted to know how to live forever. But I was under the impression that vampires always live forever. Is that how your kind of idea of vampires are? I mean, unless something intervened to kill them. Yeah. I thought they didn't die of, like, old age. Yeah, exactly. So, so, yeah, yeah. So, they're eternal. They don't, li- yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, but anyway, so he was trying to figure out how to make sure he could do that. So then he talked to some demon that I don't remember his name. And so then the demon's like, oh, you have to capture an angel and then suck its blood. So then he went with his bros and they're like, hey, let's go get this angel. And then they suck that mm-hmm. angel's blood. And then for some reason that made them super strong and like crazy powerful and have like blood magic kind of. Um, 
So that's part of why the Markov family is so strong. So the demon just like gave advice and it worked. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what I found. Like it was like, yeah, hey. it's not usually how demon advice goes. Exactly. Usually it's pretty bad, but like in this yeah. case, um, I guess he was doing something evil. So the demon's like, hey, it's cool. I guess he was fighting. Yeah, the demons hates angels. So he's like, hey, if you could kill one of these angels, I don't know, probably something good yeah. will happen. Yeah, yeah just, you'll probably get superpowers or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so like uh, Soren is like the only planeswalker vampire, really. Um, mm -hmm. and he, his spark ignited when he turned to a vampire because technically he's Edgar Markov's son, but I don't think he's like a son through, or not son, sorry. It's, he's Edgar Markov's uh, grandson. Grandson. Uh, so the, Edgar Markov's like the granddaddy of vampires, but Soren, I don't know if he was like born into the family or he was turned into the family. You know what I mean? Cause right. like it's hard with vampires because it's like can vampires have babies? Oh, and, oh I, don't, I don't actually. Know. In Twilight, they have a baby, so maybe that does that count? Is that canon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's canon. <laughs> Twilight canon. But anyway, during Soren Markov's turn, he his spark ignited and he plane shifted, or uh, yeah, he planes walked away. So that's just a little backstory to him. But he's super old, and basically, do you want to talk about? how he, what he wants on the plane of Innistrad. Yeah, so what he realized is that if they kill all the humans, if darkness wins the struggle, vampires need blood, essentially. And so, they, or they would, or they need something uh, for their bloodlust, and they would just turn against each other. And so if you destroyed all the humans, the vampires would destroy themselves. And so he realized that he can never actually let Either side kind of win this battle of light and dark. It's important to the balance of the plane that neither side ever totally wins. Yeah. And so that's why he, well, he created Avacyn. So he created an angel of light, the most powerful angel, uh, to watch over the humans, basically. Yeah, and she's basically programmed to do one thing, and it's to protect uh, purity, essentially, or like the innocence, right. to protect the, the innocence. Um, which becomes really important in the future. But, uh, so she is just around and she's like the queen of angels basically. And everyone's like, holy shit. And she's just like, she's like Jesus. She's like the Jesus of angels. Yeah, um, and so, the most badass angel. Yeah. Sure. And she's like the Messiah to every human to the point where like when they, so they have a church, right. And it's like the church of Avacyn and you see on all the cards, like the crest, Avacyn's crest, which is like the two kind of like, it's like a U with like spiky things on the end. Anyway. Um, mm -hmm. But when people pray to Avacyn, she can actually hear their prayers and she can actually intervene and do stuff. So Right. She can pop right up and, and help you. So you can imagine how every person is, you know, on Team Avacyn because they're like, no, bro, but she actually, like, helps you, though. Like, if you're in trouble, yeah. like, she's there, you know? <laughs> I asked her for help. Yeah. She showed up. So on Innistrad... Gave me some beer. Yeah. So on Innistrad, they don't have necessarily the same, like, oh, religion versus science thing because... You know, if you pray, things actually do happen. Um, right. But um, right, tangible things. You know. Yes, a literal angel comes and kills a, a werewolf or something. Um, so basically, uh, while he was creating, uh, Soren was creating Avacyn, He also created the Hell Vault. Now, the Hell Vault is this big monolithic thing uh, next to the city of Thraben, which is where all like the humans live. And mm -hmm. it is made from the same silver that Innistrad's moon is made out of. 
And basically, it's kind of like uh, just this big rock, and then you can trap things inside of it, and then what it does is it's just like infinite darkness, and it feels like you're falling forever. And so what Avison does is she just fights demons, and normally if you fight a demon and you kill them, they go to a different realm for a little bit, and then they just kind of get resurrected and come back because there's like all these cultists that like resurrect demons and stuff. But if you put a demon in the hell vault, they can't come back. They're stuck there. They're just like trapped, yeah. falling for eternity. It took her a while to realize this. She killed a bunch of them and they just kept coming yeah. forever. And she's like, oh, this sucks. Um, yeah. So that's what the hell vault was doing there. Not only that, the hell vault is part of, it has Avison's magic. So uh, they were both things that protect Innistrad from outside threats. So it's, it's, they only have to deal with the balance and keeping the balance on the plane, and they don't have to deal with other people coming in and fucking shit up, which is also important right. for the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that all goes back to, you know, what we were saying earlier, that they're kind of embodiments of mana rather than actual physical forms, physical and that's forms. why the only way to deal with them is to trap them. Exactly, exactly. So there are some other characters beside the uh, vampires and things. Let's see. Do we want to talk about Liliana right now? Sure, why not? Mine as well. So do you want to do you want to explain the contract? There's so much backstory, but there's backstory to the backstory. I know every every back every story has like backstory, and it's like I was only going to tell that story as backstory for the later story. Oh, gotcha. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like oh, I have to tell this to explain what happens later, but then to tell this for it to make sense, I have to tell this other exactly. Thing. So at the moment, we are um, still in the backstory of Innistrad, but. There's a lot of things you need to know um, for everything to kind of yeah. make sense. So the arc is full because <laughs> it's a right. nice arc. But basically Liliana Vest, um, so she was a planeswalker. I'm sure everyone at least knows who she is. Um, but she was born right before the mending and the men, or pl sorry, planeswalked right before the mending became a planeswalker. And the mending is basically like before that everyone, uh, planeswalkers were essentially gods and could do whatever the hell they wanted. And after that, they became a lot more, you know, still powerful beings, but not omnipotent, basically. Mm -hmm. And so Liliana started aging, and she was like, what, what the fuck is this? I don't, I don't want to age. <laughs> and so she, like Edgar, sought, you know, the means to be eternal. And she made a deal with Nicol Bolas to make this happen. And Nicol Bolas said, I'll arrange for these four sort of demon lords uh, you make pacts with them, they will arrange for this to happen for you, that you'll stop aging or whatever, you'll have eternal youth, but in return, they own your soul. Whatever, I don't know what that means exactly, but it's not good, for sure, if demon lords own your soul. That's like, seems like a pretty big in a con. Yeah. You know? um, also, spoiler <laughs> alert, uh, don't make contracts with Nicobolas, because he's the worst. Um, yeah. He's <laughs> going to fuck you up basically so just usually not a good idea just you know it's not yeah. great she's obviously never played the game or she wouldn't have made a contract with no her. but also yeah. it's a lesson i learned because of her uh, you know it's true we learned it through her yeah so, so that's a good point i guess that's nice thanks liliana um yeah whatever she's chilling in like strixhaven now forever basically so that's right she has to teach but basically, one of the demons that is part of her contract of the Chain Veil um, is Grizzlebrand. And Grizzlebrand is like the biggest, baddest demon on Innistrad. So, <laughs> Avacyn is like, all right, 
now we're getting to the story of Innistrad. So Avicen wants to yeah. obviously get rid of this giant demon because he's, you know, the worst and huge. Yeah. And she's like, well, let's just have a fight. And so she's first fighting him and being like, oh, shit, this is really complicated. And I can't just, like, kill you or put you in the hell vault as easily as I thought. And he's much stronger than she was anticipating. And at the time, there were only a couple of her, like, Cathars or, like, her... Um, uh, what is it? Uh, most loyal followers were close by, right. including like Ma- the head of the church. Yeah, including Micaeus, who's the Lunarch. Um, mm-hmm. And they're watching her battle this demon, and it's going not super great, but enough where she's about to get Grizzlebrand to be uh, trapped in the Hell Vault. And as that happens, he stabs her with his spear thing, and it doesn't kill her, but it does pull her into the Hell Vault as well. So as she's trapping Grizzlebrand in the Hell Vault, she is stuck there too. Now, the problem here is that Avicen, and this is years, like thousands of years after she was created, right? So mm-hmm. she's been spending her entire existence putting every demon or bad thing that she couldn't just destroy into this Hell Vault. And the church knows that. And they're like, well, the light, powers of the light can destroy the Hell Vault and like evil powers cannot. But if we do, Every demon will come back. Right. And we'll have to do with that. That's a lot. And that's a lot. Um, Just to save Avacyn. So instead, they just decide to just cover it up and not really tell anybody what happened. Just be like, I don't know. Uh, She's just like, yeah, she's just don't mention She's on vacation. Just just don't pray. Like, you could still pray, but she's just not going to come anymore. But, like, it's it's okay, though. Yeah, you know, visceral as before. She'll still help you, but from afar. Yeah. So Micaeus is keeping, like, this secret to himself. Um, Now... Now I'm realizing, um, as we're talking about this, one of the other th- things that are on Innistrad are zombies. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, actually, I was wondering, do you know the difference between the two zombies that are on Innistrad? Yeah, so uh, one of the types of zombies is basically a reanimated corpse. Um, you just kind of raise the dead in the more traditional sense. And I don't know if those have a special name. They're called ghouls. The... Ghouls, Okay. And then the other one are the scobs. And these are essentially like mad scientists. Like think Frankenstein. They're like stitched together. I got an arm here. I got a wing over here. Um, and these, yeah. These, so that's kind of the two main types of zombies. Yeah. And the kind of idea is that like the ghouls are black and the scabs are blue kind of because of the science like and the blue, magic. Black. Yeah. But that's what the blue black. But mostly blue. Yeah. yeah the, usually they have blue in them because blue is the color of self. Um, uh what is it? Reinvention. Like you're always working on yourself. So stitching things together. Right. But the idea is that, um, the ghouls are magic based and the scabs are science based. And they're mm-hmm. actually a brother and sister duo that are on in So it's Gisa and Giralf. And right. one of them is magic. And the other one is like mad scientist. And so they're in this constant feud of trying to figure out which zombie is better, which is like a weird homebrew project that they're working on um it's kind of independent from everything else it like consumes them as well they care about basically nothing else (laughs) yeah um and they're still around they're still kicking uh we got a gisa card uh recently i did see i did see that one yeah so um they they are important now uh at this point Let's see. Do we skip anything? Probably. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. We'll, but we'll let them know later when we remember it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, right now, Avacyn and Grizzlebrand are trapped in the Hell Vault. Oh, that's what's important. 
I think we need to take a sidetrack and talk about Nahiri real quick. You want to do that now? Oh, yeah. I think it, it is important. I do want to remember to talk about Nahiri. Um, so, this means we also have to talk about Zendikar and Eldrazi's. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'm going to need another beer if we're going to do that. That's right. Okay, do you want me to wait until we finish our beer to talk about the Eldrazi? <laughs> well, I'm almost there, so I don't know. Okay. Um, I'll just do a quick, quick recap of that. So, basically... Um, the Eldrazi are big titans, they're on Zendikar, blah, blah, they're the worst, they're huge, they're scary. Um, the original three planeswalkers that trapped them on Zendikar were Ugin, Sorin, and the Lithomancer, who is Nahiri. Now, of those three, two of them are super fucking old, and the Nahiri is like this little child, basically. And she kind of becomes Sorin's, like, uh, mentee. And Sorin, like, helps her with stuff or whatever, because he's just been everywhere and does those things. Uh, so they trap them with these hedrons on Zendikar and say if they ever, and this is like long, 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 long ago, and if they ever, um, uh, if they ever escape, we will send out a signal and all those three will come back and they will help trap them on Zendikar again. Now, during World Wake and all of that, they erupt or something, um, and <laughs> Nahiri is basically like, fuck, they are out. Let's go send the beacon. And she hits the button, and then fucking nobody comes. And she's like, well, this fucking sucks. I thought the whole plan was that I was going to stay here and watch them, and if they ever escaped, I could just tell you guys to come back, and you would, but you didn't, so that sucks. Um, eventually, she comes in. Th this is why it's important. So she comes to Innistrad to be like, Soren, why the fuck didn't you come? And he's like, oh, sorry. Like, I made this hell vault, and it, like, stops outside communications so like he was like i've just been super busy like dealing with other things so yeah sorry i didn't get your text actually <laughs> it's 100 percent that i didn't get your text oops um but it was kind of on purpose you know uh yeah. anyway so nahiri's super pissed because she's like well my whole plane is destroyed and so they get in a really big fight like a like a literal you know fight yeah um but of course, at the time, Soren's like super strong. So he's like, all right, well, I don't want to kill you because like, I don't want to do that to another uh, mentee, basically. And this is so, oh, this happens. Sorry, the reason this is important. This happens before Avacyn goes in the Hell Vault. So Avacyn is still out. So Avacyn being Soren's like creation and then Nahiri being his like mentee fight each other because they're kind of like, well, I was created by him. And the other one's like, well, I was mentored by him. And then they get in a fight. And to stop them from tearing each other apart, Soren pushes Nahiri into the Hell Vault. And she's trapped there, falling forever. He made his choice. He made his <laughs> choice. Um, kind of like, it's basically like putting your kid in timeout, is what he did. That's that's how, what he felt like <laughs> yeah. when he was doing that. extreme version of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you're just going to go fall for eternity until I let you out. So... You know, maybe you'll learn a lesson. Yeah, Six thousand years—that seems fair for your crime. Yeah, that's, that's a fair punishment. Yeah. Um, all right, Jeff. Before we get to the next bit, do you, I need to chug this beer because I feel like I've been talking a lot and I haven't been drinking as much yeah. as you. <laughs> yeah, that's your first mistake. Um, but I'm gonna down this and then we'll uh, crack open a new one and then get into some Liliana business. Yes. Okay. The only thing I wanted to add is that I did read or see somewhere. Uh, that Gristlebrand uh, knew Liliana was coming for him. Oh. And that's that's why he challenged Avacyn and, like, 
tried to get her to put him in the hell vault because so Liliana already killed the first demon that was part of the contract. So she, Gristlebrand, like the word got out. He's like, oh, Codafed is dead. Oh, shit. Uh, how can I avoid this? And he knew Liliana was coming for him. So he's just like, hell vault time. Oh, and just trusted that eventually he'd be let out. <laughs> that makes sense. I did not know that. Perfect. So that was not. The I don't first... know if that's like canon, but I I'm read pre- that or picked it up somewhere, and I really liked. I it. I think you're right. I think you're right that he did challenge Avison, and that the, the he wasn't the first demon Liliana was going after. So nice catch. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We're we're still working on our hundred percent mark right now, so I think we're we're yeah yeah <laughs> getting close. Um, but I'm gonna have to <laughs> grab another beer before we keep going. Let's do it. Alrighty, Jeff, would you like to unveil our second silver beer of the night? Yes, the second beer of the night is... I can't do a drum roll because I'm pouring my beer currently. It's Heineken! Hey, Heineken! So... Fast forward a few years from our last beer. Just a a few. Um, Heineken is from Amsterdam, if you didn't know. It's 5%, and it is founded in 1873. That's downright recent. Yeah, and it was founded by a man named Gerard Adrian Heineken. So there you go. There you go. That's why it's called that. All right, we will see how I like this one. I feel like I normally will. Uh, I never want to pick up Heineken, so it will be. Uh... <laughs> it's so weird doing a show where I have preconceived notions of everything we're doing already. You know? Yeah, but like, because I have you know strong memories of many of the beers we're doing tonight, so. These ones are more difficult. I think last silver series, I had like, most of those were like, ah, these feel really bottom of the barrel. These feel like a higher tier of silver. <laughs> All Definitely, of them. Definitely, yeah. Except yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're, we're forced to put them at similar ones. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I know. We didn't, we didn't do any justice here because we, you know, <laughs> we picked better beers that would have beaten out other competition easily, but yeah. have to compete with each other. Huh. That Heineken's hitting different tonight. Hmm. I don't okay. know. Okay. Glad to hear it. All righty. Um, uh, you'll be glad to know I was not the one that picked Heineken for the show, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I would never do that. Uh, <laughs> now I'm glad I did. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Jeff, do you want to jump right back into uh, what is happening with uh, Liliana and her contract and Grizzlebrand, the, I was going to say the dragon, the demon? <laughs> yeah. So totally... Liliana, when last we spoke, <laughs> Liliana wanted to kill Gristlebrand because so she had her big plan, you know, make a pact with these demons and then just kill them all. And that way it doesn't matter that they own her soul. She kind of gets her soul back and gets to keep the uh, eternal youth for free, as it were. Yes. And so she's come to Innistrad because she know that she knows that Gristlebrand is here, who is one of the demons. And she thinks to herself, okay, well, I don't know where Gristlebrand is, but you know who probably does? The Church of Avacyn, because they are, you know, the heralds of light. They would probably sense this incredibly powerful dark force on their plane. So she decides, let's just go to them and see, do they know where this archdemon is? So she goes to the the main dude, I guess. Like, where else would you go? Micaeus. <laughs> yeah. But it turns out Micaeus doesn't want to tell her anything because, you know, 
he knows what happened to Grizzlebrand, and he doesn't want anyone to know about Avacyn also being in the Hell Vault. So right, remember he's all hush hush about it, and he's pretty corrupt. Like he's profiting from this false god thing. Because now people hard. are kind of coming to him for help, and so he's like, "Well, I'm getting some really good stock mm-hmm. out of this, so I shouldn't really tell anyone." Um, so in all, uh, Micaiah's kind of sucks. He's not a great dude. Oh yeah, he's he's not a good dude. We yeah. don't like him very much. <laughs> His plan makes no sense for a myriad yeah. of reasons. And yeah, don't worry, he'll get his. Yeah, he does. Um, but basically what happens is that... Um, well, do you want to... We, we get to go back to our brother and sister, uh, necromancer slash zombie. Yeah. the zombie duo, the, the zombie twins or whatever. Uh, so basically, in order to prove whose zombie is better... They decide to attack the greatest structure of light, you know, the, the kind of pinnacle of light, Thraben, which is, you know, the big city where the Hell Vault is. They say, hey, if we could take down Thraben, that will then we'll see in this great war whose zombies outmatch the other. And so Gisa and Geralt decide, let's let's attack Thraben with our zombie armies. Yeah, so I'm a little fuzzy on this part. So, um, okay. I know that they are attacking Thraben, and it's through their, you know, little little game. But through some of this, for some reason, uh, Geralt gets inside of Thraben without the zombies and goes up to Micaeus and, like, murders him, basically. Oh, yeah, he, like, stabs him with a letter opener like, or something. Like, a bunch. <laughs> and then starts to, like, yeah. kind of stitch him back up. Now, of course... For some reason, Liliana is also around, and then she basically yeah. is like, oh, well, he's dead now, but I needed to know information from him. Good thing, I'm also a necromancer, so you're trying to stitch him up or do some things. I don't give a shit. She does her necromancy magic, and he comes back to life. And the other Micaeus card that we have, which is the really, really good one, um, where he's black. Right. Um, <laughs> and Well, black cards are always better than white cards. <sighs> Not always, not always. <laughs> but in this example, yes, the, the black Micaeus is significantly better than the white one. Um, and Who is better, Gristlebrand or Avacyn? <sighs> well, Avacyn, because she's not banned in Commander. Boom, gotcha. <laughs> okay, got um, <laughs> But anyway, so she's like, yeah, I'll just reanimate him and he'll just tell me. And so he does, because he's just a mindless zombie now. So I think the answer is basically that, okay, so with Avacyn gone, it's important to note that the humans are getting rolled. Oh, so, right. Um, yeah, why are they getting rolled? Because Avacyn isn't there anymore to yeah, save them. Yeah, it's like, kind of like when she's around, she also gives off, like, magic-ish. So they have some spells mm-hmm. and charms that, it's like it's like having a crucifix that actually it like does stuff. Yeah, it works. So right? they have yeah. all these, yeah, they have all these staves and things you'll see in all the art, like Avis and symbol, and they can say spells and it'll actually stop things from hurting them. Right. It actually kills or fights off werewolves and vampires mm-hmm. and all the monsters, the, all the dark forces. Um, but when she's gone, it doesn't. And so that's why they're like, oh, sh- oh shit, what happened? Why am my stuff not working anymore? And this is why Micaeus's plan of just don't tell anyone was a, a pretty, pretty shit, shit plan. plan. But <laughs> so, anyways, they're getting overrun on all sides, and that's why this attack on Thraben was well timed, 
because the humans basically suck right they now. just have a bunch of and sticks so the, and like yeah <laughs> the ghouls and the scobs are just overrunning them completely and that's when Geralt just walks mm. right into Thraven, basically, because they're whooping the humans. So ass. now Liliana knows that Grizzlebrand and Avacyn are both in the Hell Vault. And she's like, well, I need to get Grizzlebrand. I'm going to make a little zombie army of my own. Go destroy that Hell Vault. And then she tries, and then she can't right. do it because, oh shit, yeah, black magic can't destroy the Hell Vault. It has to be like light or whatever. And it's a little unclear on all the timing exactly, which I think is part part of the confusion about how Mm -hmm. Geralt just walked in. But the humans start fighting back and winning against the zombies at some point during this whole thing, presumably after Micaiah dies. Uh, And while Liliana is attacking the Hellbolt, maybe. Because they elect Thali as their commander or whatever. Yeah, so I think when Micaiah dies, then for some reason Thalia becomes like the leader. Um, And she's like a warrior, basically. And so she can actually help. Well, I think there was just some commander who died who was ahead of her. Okay, well that also... Uh, I think Micaiah ran away like a little bitch and that's why Geralt found him in the... That makes a lot more sense. Okay, I could see that happening. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) because... That's how I interpreted it. Yeah. I was like, Micaiah obviously ran away like a little bitch or else how did Geralt find him? That's true. People who want to pretend that they're powerful tend to do shit like that. So that that does... I I get that. But basically, Thalia becomes the commander and then they start pushing yeah. back. Well, I guess she comes the lieutenant, the, but whatever. The <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the lieutenant, yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, but, the so... She, guardian of Thraben, I guess, would be her Exactly. <laughs> uh, she definitely strikes first, is what I have to say about that. Um, <laughs> but... She defeated zombies by protecting against their spells. Yeah, somehow. Anyway. So Thalia's like fighting back and they they tend to be winning and Liliana realizes that to open the hell vault she needs to convince uh, Thalia that she has to do it because only the powers of the light can destroy the hell vault. When I say convince I I don't really mean like sit down and chat with a cup of coffee or whatever. Um it's more like took a different tactic. A different tactic <laughs> where she says, "Hey, if you don't destroy the hell vault right now, I will" raise a giant zombie army and kill all of your soldiers and then have them be raised as well and then come kill you and all of Thraben and wipe out everybody. Unless you destroy yeah. the Hell Vault. Unless you blow up that rock. And so, obviously, Thalia's like, okay, because she doesn't know anything, right? Right. She just knows, like, oh, sure, okay. <laughs> it's just like a statue or a symbol of hope or something. Yeah. She's like, well, the symbol of hope isn't worth the... Worth the destruction yeah. of everybody. So she decides right. that she's going to blow up the... Uh, Hell Vault. Now, uh, which apparently she can do, just because she has light powers, right? And she's like true yeah. of heart, or something. Okay. I, I also think somewhere like through that. all of this, she is like um, guided by the Geist of Saint Traft or something. Is also part of some of mm-hmm. it because he was like the holiest right. of holy people, and then died, and also continued to be like the holiest of holy geists. He's like the good one of the. That good might ones. be later though, because she like picks up Avison's spear and like gets blessed by the geist or something. Oh, maybe that is true. Into battle. Maybe that happens later. It is a little confusing. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> do you notice that we know a lot about this? Yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> all true. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's our hundred percent guarantee. <laughs> well, what we say is right most of the time. Sometimes. Uh, where were we? What happened? Okay. Uh, so yeah, Nahiri or sorry, <laughs> Liliana. <laughs> Liliana bullies Thalia into blowing up the. Yeah, and, and I and must have done some display to convince her that she can actually do what she's claiming. I think she, she killed a, a few of her soldiers and was like, you know, I'm gonna real fuck you up. So bully is like, yeah. you know, a light term. It's more like uh, terrorism, something like that. It's it's, it's some yeah. crazy thing. <laughs> it's pretty extreme. Anyway, so Thalia blows up the Hell Vault, unleashing uh, not only Grizzlebrand and. Avacyn, but also Nahiri and all of the other demons that have ever been in the Hell Vault ever. Um, though, luckily, yeah. we do have Avacyn now, so she's gonna, you know, do some work. And this was something like 6,000 years after Nahiri got imprisoned, so it's like, she's pretty pissed. Right. Was it that long? It was some, it was in the It was a ridiculous sure. amount of time. Okay. Um, yeah. I, don't, I guess I don't know the timeline between, like, original Zendikar set and Innistrad. Um, some of those things can be a little messy. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so Nahiri gets out, immediately planeswalks to Zendikar to see what the fuck's going on. And then, let's see, uh, Grizzlebrand gets killed by Liliana fairly quickly, I think. Um, really easily, yeah. yeah. So it does. So Liliana has her chain veil that she, it's like this ancient artifact that she found that gives her crazy power. And she whoops his ass with it basically yeah basically but it also hurts her a lot like when she uses the chain veil it like yeah yeah saps it's her. kind of crazy because she's like oh i'll get out of my demon deal by taking this cursed artifact <laughs> and using its power to kill those demons and it's like well the cursed artifact is also it's also a thing that offers you power now and in exchange for your life for something source or something. Like, yeah. You're just trading up the demon packed totem like, pole here. Liliana, it's not going great. Also, in all of this, with Liliana and the chain veil and something, somehow she meets Garuk and then he also gets cursed. She curses him. Somehow. Um, I don't exactly know what happens with that, but he gets cursed for a long Oh no, she It's not really that important to the story, I don't think, because it never really gets mentioned. It, it's just like there's a, there's a card where he's cursed. I think she like kills a wolf or something and he's mad about it. So then she curses him. Something like that. Something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and then he doesn't get cured until uh, he goes to uh, the throne of Eldraine. Anyway. Um, or Eldraine, I guess it's not the throne. It doesn't matter. I don't know why I brought it up. <laughs> but... but anyway, that's why Gristlebrand was scared because Liliana has this chain veil and she easily killed Codafed, who will later... Uh, I allegedly, I guess, was supposed to be more powerful than Gristlebrand or something. So anyways, that's why. Yeah. He was, like, the weakest one, apparently, Gristlebrand. Yeah, but as far as, like, the cards uh, go, he's, like, the strongest one. He's the best one by a lot. Yeah, so it gets kind of <laughs> confusing. Um, and now Liliana just, like, doesn't give too much of a shit about Innistrad, so she's kind of gone. And through some okay. other things after in the aftermath, it's like, yay, Avacyn's back. Now everyone's prayers are being answered. She's continuing to make sure that uh, people aren't dying. Um, she also cures some of the werewolves at the same time. And when I say cure, it's more like they get a choice if they want to. Because um, the werewolves have this thing where, like, when they're human, uh, they're fine. And then when they turn into a werewolf, they'll just have an insane bloodlust and kill anything in the, their path, including, like, their loved ones. And then they wake up the next yeah. morning and realize what they've done. Now, typical werewolf yeah, stuff. Yeah, normal stuff. So now Avison gives him a deal where it's like, you could be cured, but you have to be a wolf like all the time. But you do have your, your normal human brain. 
So, uh, or you, they live in harmony. Like she fuses your soul with your wolf soul. So basically you won't go crazy when you're a wolf. You can actually control your powers. And that's how Arlen Kaur is like a planeswalker and can do stuff, um, I think. Um, and they're like the wolfier. And I think there's like silver <laughs> fur represents them. I, I'm not super sure on that one. But that's part of her like, I'm saving people again, Avacyn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but that is basically the story of the original Innistrad block. That's, that's kind of what happened. Well, w one thing, because I had this question. Yeah, okay. You might be wondering, where the fuck was Soren when all this shit was happening? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it turns out he was there, and he knew this was all a threat, um, but there was this devilish planeswalker <laughs> around named Tybalt, and he decided he had to go whoop Tybalt's ass. And by the time he got back with that, which he did easily, all this stuff had sorted itself out, so he did. Exactly. So, like, <laughs> that is what Tybalt did in the story, was just be a little nuisance. Basically, like... Get destroyed by Soren easily. Yeah. <laughs> also, Tamio was there at some point, but I don't know why. Um, in the yeah. original Innistrad. Uh, so it was like, Innistrad was great, and then Dark Ascension was, everyone's in the Hell Vault, and then Avacyn Restored is, everyone's out of the Hell Vault. Um. <laughs> yeah. That one is, Avacyn is Restored. It makes, <laughs> you know, you look at the sets, it makes sense. Yeah, it checks out. Yeah, math checks yeah. out. Um, so, yay! Good, good one. It, it worked. Everything is happy. Um, we do have more story to tell because there's a lot of fucking shit that happened the second time That's we right. went to Innistrad. <sighs> Jeff, I think it's time again. We're, we're going to have to talk it's... about Odrazi again. Oh, man, I was hoping you wouldn't I know, I know, right? <laughs> it's annoying. I'll, I'll tell the stories about the... I, I do want to say this. Um, we, we talk a lot of shit about Odrazi on the show. Um... Because we fucking hate them. Uh, <laughs> that's strong. <laughs> so that that's that's yeah. So it, it's a really strong word, uh, but it's true. Um, however, I think Jeff might might get a new co-host if I say this right now. But oh no! Through reading this story specifically um, and seeing what happens, I kind of it made me kind of like the Eldrazi a little bit. Oh no, you heretic. At least in like the story wise. As far as like the cards go, I still didn't love them. Um, but in the story, I was like, oh, that was kind of interesting though. I kind of liked it. You're kicked out of the No More Eldrazi Club. <laughs> <laughs> we should get shirts. Yeah. Anyway. Um, no, I mean, I mostly just hated the, the cards, like the play patterns that it came yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Honestly, mostly it was over the Gatewatch because that's the set I played. And I was like, this set is so bad. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about it. Oath of the Gatewatch. All right. So basically <laughs> what happens after Innistrad is Nahiri. You like my segue? Yeah, that was good. Uh, Nahiri goes back to Zendikar to see that it's fucking destroyed because the, the Eldrazi were there and they just wreaked havoc. And she couldn't do anything because she was fucking stuck in a hell vault that Soren put her in as timeout. Um, so she's super fucking pissed. Uh, and she's mad nobody helped her with her call and she decides that she is going to get revenge um and so while the gate watch is working on uh zendikar i think she just dips and she's like you know what fuck it she just doesn't even help like get i, I, I don't know a ton whatever. about that but basically the battle for zendikar story is the gate watch see the eldrazi and then they kill them with fire that is the story um so i don't know hey man Nissa channels the energy 
mm-hmm. okay, to make them materialize in their forms on the plane. Sure. And then gives that energy to Chandra, and then she burns. That's true. Fire. While Jace okay. tells everyone yeah. what the plan is, and Gideon just right. beats up whatever's trying to attack him. You're right. That is the story. Yeah. That's what the Gatewatch does. <laughs> um, it's all about Chandra, and then Jace takes all the credit. Um, <laughs> basic, basic question. Uh, anyway, so I think this is the hero. She's like you know, the one providing the actual fuel. enough power to kill. I guess them. that's true. She is bringing the fuel. Um, so Nahiri says, "You know what? Fuck Soren, and fuck what he did to my plane that's getting destroyed now." Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin his entire life. That's kind of what happens. But now we're on Innistrad again. Uh, long time has passed, and Avison's doing her Avison stuff. Uh, Thali is around. You know, we're chilling. Um, but there's some, there's some weird things going on. Um, the Hell Vault was destroyed, by the way, and that was remember one of the important things keeping Innistrad safe from outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also unleashed a lot of demons. We mentioned Avacyn. That's true. And, yeah. yeah. And there's like a lot more everything. shit in there. Yeah. That's true. So, the, you know, but, uh, you know, I just imagine Innistrad just has a bunch of shit going on all the time. And they're like, ah, oh, those are just demons. We don't have to worry about other things. Yeah. Um, but there are some weird things going on um, with some of the the people and the werewolves and all that stuff. Like, more weird than normal. Right. Not weird in the right way, you know? Innistrad's always weird, and this was different weird. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, I don't exactly know what exactly was the turning point of what's going on, but it's all part of, like, Nahiri's plot to mm-hmm. just get revenge on Soren. And that's why we've been talking about Nahiri for a while, because she's really important in the second time we go to Innistrad. Yes, now we'll be talking a lot about Nahiri. Yes, because she is the worst. <laughs> She's the worst. <laughs> yeah. um, not as not as bad as Micaeus, though. I do kind of I like the I, I, I like zombie Micaeus, but regular Micaeus is a fucking just shit dick. Shit, he's a shit dick. <laughs> yeah, you know, at least the the evil people other than him in the first story have the decency to be openly evil. You know, mm-hmm. and he's all like, "Well, I should tell everyone that." Avacyn is gone, but it would benefit me if I don't, so I'm not going to. Yeah, that's why I like Gisa and Giralf, because they're like, yeah. you know what, I just want to fucking make the best zombie ever. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> they have nothing else going on. It's so nice. Uh, refreshing, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, so in Shadows Over Innistrad, there's a bunch of clues about some weird stuff that's going on, hence investigating clues and all that. Um, Tamio is writing in her journal about the weird things that are happening, um, but for the most part, it kind of all trails back to Nahiri. Yeah, so the, there are these like big stone structures called cryptoliths that have emerged everywhere, and they point in certain directions, tend to mess up the mana. You know, it's just like a weird time to be around. Yeah. We, weird stuff's going on. Like, imagine just a big rock that is clearly not just a random rock. It's like a sculpture comes out huh. of the ground suddenly. It's and it's you weird. Knew there wasn't there like a few days ago. <laughs> it's almost like someone has like stone powers. Yeah, that's doing like, I mean, something. Maybe. But who who, knows? who has stone powers though? That's weird. I don't yeah. understand. That's <laughs> you need strange. a lithomancer or some whatever the thing. Yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah. If if anything, like a cryptolith. Uh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Anyway, uh, the, all these things are pointing all over the place, and people are starting to uh, have some mental breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, because the mana on the plane is getting kind of screwed up with the cryptolith, with, I didn't realize that, I guess it's just Innistrad's just the way that it's put together. But like, if the mana isn't flowing right, you just go insane. You just, <laughs> you just lose your mind. Yeah. Um, you, you get madness, basically, is what you, you get. Um, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, you get discarded to pay yeah. the alternate cost. <laughs> anyway, through all of this stuff, um, Jace at some point ha- comes over because he's trying to figure out what's going on in this place as well. And he has a sneaking suspicion that it's probably Liliana for some reason because he has a really complicated relationship with Liliana. I don't really want to get into it too much, but like they used to like he was her know. boy toy. That's yeah, they, that's, what, that's what happened. They used to fuck, and now he's coming back for more. And she yeah. likes him because he always just like needs her help, and so she likes that. Anyway. Um, so he's like, oh, right, well, Liliana's probably fucking shit up and, like, making things go crazy. That's not I mean, he's, like, a few hundred years younger than her, so. Yeah. But now, also, we're starting to realize that, um, not only are the people kind of losing their minds, but also Avison is starting to break mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, and back when I was talking about how she was programmed to do a very specific thing to protect the innocent, um, that becomes, like hyper overdrive uh where she ends up seeing a mom strike her child kind of like like, like smacking her or spanking her or something and saying if the humans i protect could be this horrible towards their innocent why am i protecting humans Mm -hmm. and then she fucking transforms into the red side yeah where (laughs) she looks fucking crazy and purifier she goes on a rampage and she is killing everything like nothing is pure enough to withstand her like she is going makes sense if she has to protect purity i mean humans aren't pure it's true it's very true so uh slight mechanical misstep in yeah he coded it wrong a little bit he kind of fucked it up you know um we all know that with uh any like i don't know robot movie you've ever watched yeah you got to be very it's like it's like wishing with a genie you have to be very specific about the words you use because it will get fucked up if you don't do that um so she is now bad real bad like uh just slaughter everybody burn everything to the ground everyone is a victim and uh it's just not great um the weird thing about it too is that she also knows that it's soren's fault that she went crazy isn't that nuts? <laughs> she like knows, oh, my, the guy who made me, uh, yeah, he did a bad job. He, he, he coded me wrong and it's his fault that all these people have to die now. Yeah. Um, so she still blames it on him. Um, hilarious. I don't know <laughs> why. Yeah. I mean, in some sense, she's like a part of him because you know, we mentioned that, you know, pre-mending planeswalkers are basically gods but that's what soren did is just take some of his energy when he was that powerful and make her so now she's kind of on this rampage and she's like going to kill uh she ends up getting in a fight with jace and tamio in a church mm-hmm. um lucky for them i mean like unlucky for them she's fucking powerful and they well she's indestructible <laughs> and uh <laughs> they are not um 
And so she's gunning for them, and he's like a mind mage, and Tammy was like, what, like a story, like a scroll reader? I don't know. She, she has story magic, whatever that means. I mean, she, I think she like tells Jace a story about Mirrodin, and that cures his insanity. So it's like her magic is, she understands what's afflicting or what's wrong, oh. and then so has the appropriate just... story to like magically cure things. So she's like a mom. She's just like a planeswalker mom. Yeah, yeah. She tells she tells you a, a story that makes you feel better. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So Tamiya is now the planeswalking mom. Um, yeah. <laughs> so basically what happens is Avison's trying to kill them. And then, oh boy, does shit go wrong because Soren shows up. And they're in like Thraben, like in the church of Thraben, while this like battle happens. And, well, Jeff, what does Soren do? Uh, well, he basically fights Avacyn, essentially. Um, but she's and tell, try, he tries to convince her at first. Like, hey, you're crazy. Like, you were made for this other purpose. And this is what you were saying. She's like, well, if I'm crazy, then it's your fault, actually. So yeah. you're impure because you made me. And now I have to kill you because I'm protector of purity. Uh, and then, so they're battling, and then she says to Soren, like, hey, you know, you know the deal, like, what you, whatever you can't kill, you have to imprison, because that was what he told her, and that's the hell vault and all that. Mm. And then he's all like, yeah, but I can kill you, and bang, he unmakes her. Anguishingly. Yeah, he's anguished about it, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, man, so she is indestructible, but you can sacrifice her. And right. he does. He really <laughs> you can, does. You can exile her, whatever he did. <laughs> um, does the Soren and, card exile? Because that'd be a that'd be a nice flavor win. It does. I'm pretty, the English one making? No, no, like the actual Soren Planeswalker. The card certainly does, yeah. Oh. It's like you lose three life and exile target. Uh, I don't non, remember, but non-line, non-line permanent, permanent, I think. Yeah. It's like, damn, that's a flavor home run. But, yeah, it's like a commander all-star. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I uh, I don't remember if the actual Soren Planeswalker exiles, but uh, but in this case he does, and well, uh, he doesn't really know what he's done at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, now there have been some weird things going on, and here he's fucking up with the ley lines and stuff. But the things that were protecting Innistrad from outside uh, harm was the Hell Vault, which got blown up a long time ago, and Avacyn, who just got mm-hmm. unmade right now, and. Well, the floodgates just kind of fucking pop open, and that's when she gets really weird. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't really a surprise to anyone when this was coming out, because, uh, well, Battle for Zendikar had two of the three Eldrazi that we knew about, so we were Mm -hmm. kind of waiting for the other one to show up. Oh, it was even, like, hypothesized that the reason Jace went there in the first place is, like, where was the third Eldrazi? I need to find it out. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah so which would be a logical thing to do like exactly. i know there's three <laughs> there were only two that we beat where's the last one spoiler alert the last one's here <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um uh basically what nahiri was doing is putting up these clip uh cryptoliths and they're all pointing towards the drown yard which has a ton of cryptoliths around it and it's making the eldritch moon essentially that's going to summon um uh uh, oh my god, what is Emrakul. the name of the... Emrakul. 
It's I was like Kozlik Ulamog with Um It's summoning uh, Emrakul to the plane because Nahiri's like, you know what? Eldrazi fucked up my house. They're gonna fuck up yours too, real bad, and everyone yeah. and everything. And I don't fucking care. Uh, also, it is good to note uh, through all the stuff that had happened before, which I completely forgot about. But um, Soren decides to go back to Markov Manor, and what's what is what happened to Markov Manor? <laughs> It's all turned to stone, including all of its inhabitants. By, I know, yeah, someone who has stone turning powers who's pissed at Soren. Super weird. Yeah, so there is definitely a declaration in stone that happens. Yeah, um, she she <laughs> declares that the Markovs are will be one pole, <laughs> and yeah. she she basically pushes all the Markov family into a pole, uh, and they're all they're all alive, kind of, but they're just in constant agony. And much like hear. she was, yeah, for a long time in the Hell Vault. Interesting, weird how you know that works out. Um, but they are just like screaming forever, stuck in stone. And Edgar, not Edgar, uh, Soren sees it and is like, Oh shit, oh, that sucks. I wonder who did this. Yeah, um, that was before some of the stuff with Avison, but now, Nahiri, totally. I mean, like. Jace finds the Tamio's journal there, and that's what leads him to Tamio and whatever. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. trying to get Soren for help, and Liliana was like, no. So then he went to Markov Manor, and that's how all that elapsed. But that's like kind of the boring part of the story. So. Yeah, right, 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 right. Makes sense, makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> so now, uh, the one interesting thing about um, uh, Emrakul, <laughs> how can I never remember Emrakul's name? <laughs> You recall, we recall, Emra cool. Emra Um So Kosalek and Ulamog uh, are titans that kind of come to a plane and they like bring like drones or scion things to come mm-hmm. do stuff. And they affect the world very physically, right? Like the yeah. mana there is fucked up. Mm. Uh, cool likes to turn the living things that are already there into versions of Emrakul. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of goes after everyone's minds. And that's why everyone's being kind of crazy and everything's been happening. And now all the werewolves and the people and the, the everything are turning into tentacle stuff. Ten- tentacly. Right. So uh, I think the reason people were going crazy was because Emrakul was like nearby. Nahiri yeah. just hadn't pulled her into the plane yet. Mm-hmm. But she was so close to the plane that that alone was enough to cause the insanity that was happening. Exactly. Um, and the mana was weird, too. Um, I think that also helped. Um, but so the mana was all, like, like, pointed towards this summoning spot is why yeah. it got disturbed, right? Um, yeah, and uh, at one point, Jace goes to the Drown Yard and has an epiphany about it um, and figures epiphany out what's going on. the Drown Yard. I've played that card. Yeah, and uh, basically, that's why he thought... Oh, yeah, to go back, that I skipped this part, so... The reason he thought Liliana was the one in charge of everything was because there was a bunch of zombies that were making these cryptoliths. And um, little did he know that it was actually Nahiri was hanging out with Gisa, and Gisa's like, oh, I'll make those cryptoliths for you. That's fine. Just pay me whatever, and I'll do it. Um, And so Nahiri's like, totally. Just admit that my zombies are the best, and And I will do it. Uh, so that's how that kind of don't hire any scabs because that would uh, be a breach of contract exactly (laughs) and that's a real thing right scabs or like uh people that steal jobs and stuff isn't that a thing like scabs scabs are people who refuse to protest yeah 
like with the union uh, go oh. on strike. Yeah, right, right, that's right, the right, word right. I was looking for. Yep. So yeah, okay. So they don't because steal they your job. Because they want to keep getting paid. Or right, yeah, I guess right, they do right, steal right. your job. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Right. They like they walk over picket lines. Um, so you didn't. You wouldn't want scabs to take your. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it worked, man. it worked. There was something. Hey, we there. got there. We got there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so now we have this fucking tentacle menace. It's just like some weird Japanese porn stuff going on. It's great. Yeah. That, uh, that, that's, you know, Eldritch Moon. I mean, it feels like a good place to, to grab another beer and jump I think into the next session. <laughs> and, and, yeah, go into uh, what's to come. Alrighty, we got another silver beer for you. Obviously, all the beers yeah. are silver this episode. This one's really silver, though. This is super silver. It is yeah. Sapporo. Just, I, there you go. <laughs> I just say it because they say that like in the commercials, and I think it sounds super cool. Um, yeah. But Sapporo, uh, the, uh, the beer you drink when you go to eat sushi. That's right. <laughs> Basically, that's what I think. Oh, I thought that was called sake bombs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love sake bombs. I haven't done one of those in a while. Those are good. Um, I'm pretty sure they fucking hate it when you order a sake bomb because it makes a oh, mess Oh, of course they everywhere. do. I would hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Not only because you don't just drop the sake into the beer, but you, like, put it on the chopsticks and bang the table till it falls. Have you done that? The, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just the worst. It's just so, so yeah. rude. Like, what? <laughs> Everything about it is awful. But... Yeah, but it, except for the fact that you get to drink it and somebody else... Yeah, 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 sorry. Everything about it is awful if anyone else does it. Exactly. When your table is doing it, it's great. Yeah, so Sapporo, obviously from Japan, it is also 5% like the other three beers we've had tonight, and it was founded in 1876. So that's only three years after Heineken. Um, so that one's a bit closer than uh, the whole Stella stretch. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a big jump at the start. To be fair, Stella knocks, you know, of the, all the silver beers we had last week, obviously those were from North America, so they can't compete with. We, you know, yes, the, yeah, we're not. We're not having, as far as the the timing. Um, a fun thing that I didn't actually know about Sapporo is that the uh, the brewmaster, which is Saibe Nakagawa, he was German trained originally. So he left Japan when he was seventeen, and then he went to he like traveled around a lot, and then he went to Germany and learned how to make beer, and then came back to Japan and started making Sapporo. That's like a thing, though. Like, I it's the same reason Japanese whiskey is good because mm -hmm. the guys who started the whole thing in Japan, the whole revolution of whiskey, learned in Scotland mm -hmm. and were like importing Scottish malts and stuff at the beginning, and yeah, and just like basically were making scotch that was just as good because you know they learned from the best and mastered it, but was way cheaper. So for a while, you could get kind of the Japanese scotch or whatever. People have caught on now, and now it's not cheap. And now it's not cheap, yeah. yeah. But it is good stuff. Um, so definitely check out um, our scotch episode. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where we bring three bottles of scotch each. And we drink all of it. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, okay, where were we in the story? I can't remember. Yeah, speaking of butchering uh, stories about... And just fucking... <laughs> the butchered Japanese scotch story. And, uh... <laughs> and, and how... What were we talking about? We were talking about, oh, Emrakul has just yes. landed on Innistrad. Right. Through the Eldritch Moon. Big, big mama. 
Yeah, big big mama. She, if you didn't know, she is referred to as a she, and the other two uh, as he. But um, she's fucking shit up, man, real bad. And everyone's like, "Oh shit!" I think at this point the gate watch has arrived. Not just uh, Jace, but the rest of them have also uh, come. At some point, Jace goes to get them because he's like, "Hey, our our strategy." which we explained earlier of the fire, mm-hmm. uh, worked against the other two Eldrazi Titans. Why wouldn't it work against this one? So mm-hmm. at some point he goes to get the Gatewatch to bring them back. To do a similar plan. Um, now before now that... Now one thing I don't oh, I don't get, sorry, is that... So we talked about Emrakul is like corrupting everyone, right? Mm-hmm. She's making them crazy and then turning some of them into her scions. But it seems kind of random or like some people just aren't affected or some beings just aren't affected at all by Emrakul. Yeah, I don't know if it's like the pure of heart or one of those kinds of things or people that like are... Like a bunch of the angels get fired. Like Avacyn went crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, so Avacyn goes just crazy. just Sigarda that didn't go crazy. Basically. Yeah, so we forgot she to... She seemed fine. Yeah, so Sigarda is the one, the angel and her folk, the like the, um, the flight of the heron or something like that. That's what they're called. Um, everyone who's like, oh, Sigarda's the best angel. Um, she's fine. Yeah, like doesn't notice anything yeah. it's just won't be she's there like why the fuck is everyone acting so crazy yeah you know? like she's the one that she was the dd she took all At her the fucking party the yeah and, and she has to take home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bruna and gisella who turned she's into, like i don't understand anything you're talking about yeah <laughs> uh so basically the drunken that's maybe everyone got drunk that's kind of it so that's the dr- right. the yeah. drunken versions of everyone are turned into tentacle <laughs> monsters and Bruna and Gisela also got really drunk and then fused together into Bruzella, which is like this fucking Eldrazi angel monster with a fuck ton of arms, and that's really creepy and gross. Probably one of yeah. the nastiest of magic arts. Um, I think so, yeah. It's pretty rough. Um, I also forgot to mention earlier, so the black-aligned angel, which is Lisa or Lisa, or L-E-I-S-A, something like that. Um, okay. She earlier was like, hey, I'm the light and the dark, and, and we, I don't fight the demons. This is back when Avison was alive, before the Hellbolt and all that stuff. Um, she was like, oh, the demons aren't so bad. Um, we can learn from them, and that's how we can uh, communicate or work with them slash defeat them, is, is her take. And Avison said, uh, no, fuck that, and then smited her. So she, like, died, kind of, and all her Damn. followers. Um, and all the other angels were like, oh, you, you know, yeah, you do your thing. Like, I'm uh, okay. Um, so it is interesting because we, we have recently seen this angel in Commander Legends product, and now we saw a preview for it in the new set. So I guess she... Okay, because I've never heard of this angel. Yeah, so, so I guess this she's... all news to me. She's back. Like, I don't know... Mm-hmm. I don't know anything that happened. All I know is that she was smited by Avacyn. And I'm, I'm pretty sure smite means kill. So, like... Um, but maybe it was like uh, Avison's unmaking brought her back somehow. Like she maybe was, she was banished by Avison somehow. So now we have a new one. I don't know. Um, but anyway, something she doesn't like Avison. That's I'm, I'm assuming. Okay. Um, yeah, I get that. But anyway, she's not in the story at this moment. Um, we just have Sigarda, who is still chill and protects you and gives you hexproof, and then Brunette and Gisella yeah. turned into Brusella, and they're fucking gross. Um, yeah. Sorry. 
And Sicarda is like particularly in tune with humanity. Like she's mm-hmm. kind of the protector of humans. Um, especially after this whole thing where everyone <laughs> went evil except for her. Yeah, she's really the only <laughs> one left. She's like a true angel. But yeah, but that part it seemed unexplained to me that Emmer Emmerquill just chooses whoever she deems worthy. I don't know, but she, I think that's part it of it. Didn't seem to affect everyone. There's kind of a bit later that gets a little bit more into what Emmerquill is thinking about this whole thing. Um, but before all of well, either before or during, I don't super know. But Nahiri ends up going back to um, the Barkov Manor and hanging out with Soren. Uh, hanging out. Um, I don't know if she was hanging out. She, like she was, amasses, so she's developed a cult following. Yes, from being here on in on Innistrad and like changing the mana and like showing her powers off and whatever. And it, so she is a bunch of cultists. Basically. Yeah, it's a lot of the humans that liked Avicen were like, oh wait, Avicen's now killing everybody. Um, maybe this Nahiri thing, she knows what's going on. She's kind of cool too. Also, they both have like yeah. white skin and white hair. So I'm chill. You know, we, I'll just, yeah. I'll just make the jump. Over. Yeah. It's not that difficult. You know, it's a, it's a classic, you know, <laughs> jump into a new religion thing. So they kind of make, uh, you know, they're, they're followers of Nahiri. Um, and so she confronts Soren at Markov Manor and they get in a huge fight. But Soren has like he's amassed his vampire army as well. Like he caught, he went to Olivia, who's normally they're not on best of terms. No, but she name, said but no. She was like, oh, that was he. He goes to her to fight Emrakul. Yeah. Oh, this this is afterwards. I'm thinking about something that happens at the end of the story. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he convinces her that she, like because he Nahiri turned his whole family to stone, that mm-hmm. she's a threat against all vampire kind. Yes. And she brought Emrakul to the plane. And so, yes, you're right. Okay, so this happens first. So Soren goes to Olivia <laughs> Voldaren and uh, tries to get a truce. So this is the Voldaren family is another uh, vampire family, which we haven't really mentioned before, because they're not as strong as the Markovs. And they, you know, weren't super important. They wish they were, though. They do. They do <laughs> wish they were. And maybe, maybe they want to marry into the Markov name. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll see. Who knows? Who can even who can even be sure? But anyway, so she decides, yes, I will do that. We'll have a truce because they kind of like, you know, the families bicker and stuff, and obviously the Markovs are like the biggest ones, so like not everyone likes them that much. But Olivia's like, sure, we will fight alongside you to save Innistrad or whatever and, and kill this Lithomancer or whatever. Uh, so that's all happening, and that kind of brings us to the Gatewatch again, where they have a master plan to get rid of an Eldrazi mm-hmm. monster. Infallible, I would say. It's worked twice. So. Yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> so the plan, again, is Nyssa pulls the mana, gives it to Chandra. Chandra shoots fire. Gideon yeah. fights off the zombies and the, the tentacles. Gideon's the offensive line, you know? Like he's, yeah. <laughs> he's the guy who's just blocking for the quarterback here. Yeah, exactly. Has to and, get in the way long enough. And Jace <laughs> is just like in everyone's ear i guess i don't know who that would be i want to say he's the offensive coordinator but i don't want to give him that much credit yeah i I didn't want to say he was the coach because i also don't want to give him that much credit maybe he's just like um he's like nfl films he just has everyone mic'd up and he's just like (laughs) but i can also tell them what he's thinking um because he's really not that helpful i really don't see how he's super helpful in those situations like how how much do you have to tell someone hey now it's time to take the mana and then, oh, to the other person, now it's time to shoot shoot the fire. 
I, I don't, yeah. I don't. He's definitely saying it after they've already started doing it. Like, hey, I shoot your fire now, Sean. Just like, shut the yeah, fuck up. I'm already doing it. So it, it doesn't, <laughs> he just doesn't see, <laughs> he doesn't seem extremely useful in this specific circumstance. Besides his, uh, like, the other things, going to get them, to bring them and help them, that's yeah, helpful. Yeah, he, he brought them here. Yeah, right? those things. So he, in the actual fight, <laughs> so or he, the actual he moment. He coordinated the match. Well, who does that? Yeah, he's like a <laughs> tournament organizer, I guess. Um, <laughs> he's like a judge. You just call him over, and he helps settle squabbles. Um, yeah. But uh, in any case, <clears throat> they try. And this is just like, wow, uh, the ley lines are all fucked up. I don't know. Yeah. It's not working out. It turns out that in her home plane of Zendikar, she's much better at pulling all of the mana from the entire plane as she is at a random plane that she's never been to before. Yeah. Who would have thunk? It's so weird. Yeah. Like, that's so, so like, who would have known? Um, so, of yeah. course, it just doesn't work, like, at all. Like, not even oh, a little bit. Oh, they get bit. their asses whooped. Yeah. And now they're getting attacked by tentacle things. And it brings us to a nice chapter about Jace. Uh, Jeff, do you remember much about this chapter? Uh, yeah, so he like runs, and by much, I, I, the correct answer is no, but I remember Perfect. some stuff. Cool. Okay, so he, he like runs down a staircase of some sort because they all get sent in. To remember, Emrakul affects the minds, mm-hmm. so she's kind of giving them all nightmares, essentially. Yeah. But for some reason, Jace gets to run down the spiral staircase and, like, witness each of their nightmares one at a time before getting to the bottom and coming to his own nightmare. Now, like, what each of their nightmares were, I don't remember. Yeah. But it kind of ends up where uh, they're in this weird mind maze-ish kind of thing. And he comes up to these figures that represent the Eldrazi, and um, he is basically going up to a chessboard playing chess against uh, Emrakul. And they have a conversation. So throughout this battle, you know, on the outside, people are getting attacked. But on the inside, all their minds, they're just, he's just playing chess with Emrakul and ends up beating her at chess, like playing the whole Mm -hmm. game. And they're talking about love and life and like a bunch of like, stuff you wouldn't really expect from this weird tentacle monster thing. And he ends up besting her. But in the end, all of his extra pieces on the table kind of turn towards his king and attack the king. And it has something to do with... She said something like, the pieces were always all mine. Yes. Or something like... Yeah. That's it. That, like, she controls everything always. And that she is saying... I am not finished yet, but I also, I'm not ready to go, but it's not my time, basically. Like, I don't have to, I'm not ready to leave. And through some of that, it gives this weird, it kind of begs the question whether, like, Emrakul really fought against the next thing that happens in the story. To me, it says that she definitely didn't. Yeah. Um, but one thing about this is, have you ever seen the Pixar short where the old man plays chess against himself? Yes. I love that and one. Then his, yeah. And then at the end, he flips the table around and then, like, laughs at the face of the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what Emrakul did. It's she's just like, like, yeah. She's losing on purpose, playing the nice, nice, and then just turns the table around. And flips it around <laughs> and takes the teeth for herself. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's like the first short film uh, at the beginning of Toy Story. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Oh, God. Fuck, that's so good. Yeah, so, so Emrakul is an old man. And uh, <laughs> was it Sigarda is... Wait, who's our mom? Uh, no, the... The mom was Tamio. Tamio's the mom. Because she has story magic. Right, right. So Tamio's mom and <laughs> Sigarda is the old man from Pixar. No, Sigarda. No, Emrakul. Emrakul is Emrakul. Sigarda's nothing. Who's uncorruptible? We need to give you someone for a Sigarda. Oh, fuck. Anyway. Um. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically what Emrakul says. She, her yeah. piece is... Jace's pieces turn on himself, and she says, the pieces were always all mine. I'm just tired of playing, or something like yeah. that. And um, they kind of all come out of their stuff, and then they get a moment where, like, uh, Jace kind of tells everyone, hey, this is what just happened. I was fucking talking mm-hmm. to... <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is the name? Emeria. <laughs> Emrakul. <laughs> I can't remember the fucking name of the tentacle monster. I always want to say Ulamog every time. I'm trying to say it, and I say Ulamog in my head. It's not. Just remember, Ulamog's like a ten ten, and Emrakul's a fifteen fifteen. I know, but it says it's U and E. You know, I have a hard time with the, the beginning of words. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Orzov and Azorius, to to name a few. But anyway, Emeria is like the Zendikar god name for Emrakul, by the way. So oh, is they, it? Yeah, so when Nahiri went to sleep, she basically told everyone about the drowsy times and then went to sleep. And then her teachings got lost a little bit and they started rev- revering them as gods. So it was like, Emeria oh. is actually supposed to be Emrakul. And like the gods in Zendikar are actually the three of drowsy titans. Oh. I don't remember the names of the other two. but So Jace is like playing chess against Emeria, the envisaged form of the god of Zendikar, who is actually cool. Oh, that's crazy. I love that land. The Emirio one. The white one is great. Yeah, yeah. So they're like worshipping their own demise, essentially. Oh. That's rough. Oh, sorry, yeah. Zendikar. You really get the short end of the stick, man. They really get fucked, yeah. like, real bad. <laughs> yeah, because Nahiri's like, wait, this isn't perfect. I'm gonna zip away and exact vengeance before investigating and maybe trying to help out. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Nahiri's not the best. Um... <laughs> So anyways, yeah, the Gatewatch comes out of their nightmare comas. I don't know, do we jump over to what's going on between Nahiri and Soren, or do we finish the, the Gatewatch? I think we finish the Gatewatch, and then let's talk about Nahiri and Soren. Alright, so they decide, based on, I don't know, what they learned in their nightmares, they realize that the theme of this whole block, and even the block before it, has been if you can't destroy something, you need to imprison it. Oh? You need to... Set it away, like Avison has been doing the whole time. And so they just needed something like the Hell Vault, but the Hell Vault doesn't exist, and it wouldn't be big enough for Emrakul anyway. Yeah, so is there weird. something that has the same silver properties of the Hell Vault hmm. that's big enough? Yeah, and the Hell Vault was made of... To Like, the, the Hell Vault was similar to, like, the silver, and the silver is also from, like, the moon, but, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's made of the silver moon, the silver from the moon of Innistrad or yeah, something. Weird. You know, like, like, if only if there was something big enough. What if something was that. big enough to hold an Eldrazi Titan? I don't know. Yeah. Huh. So anyways, after some pontificating, I would say, they realize the moon. The oh. moon is made of the same thing as the moon. 
Whoa. Who and it's knew? also big. That that is big. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of big. Whoa. <laughs> Let's imprison Emrakul in the moon. Whoa. So they try the exact same plan, but instead of shooting fire, they try to use the energy from Nissa to imprison Emrakul in the moon. Using Tamio, who tells a story. Well, they like, tried with Nissa first, yeah, and it okay. doesn't fucking work because, again, the problem's the same, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, she still can't generate enough power. Uh, and then Tamio, while they're all getting fucked up by Emrakul, basically, Tamio pulls out a scroll, which was the same one that Jace saw uh, Emrakul pull out in his nightmare. Mm-hmm. And. Just suddenly, Jace gets a surge of power and is able to imprison Emrakul. Right. And the scroll is a spell that Tamio was saving to never use. And it was like, mm-hmm. it was really important that she never, like, used that spell for anything. It was like a huge moment. And right. they kind of use this thing to imprison Emrakul in the moon. And Emrakul is gone and away. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards... They're like, hey, Tamio, how'd you do that? And Tamio's like, oh, I don't really know. I used a spell I wasn't supposed to ever use, but it wasn't me. Something made me use it, and I didn't want to, but it happened. So it kind of is like the... Emrakul decided that Emrakul wanted to go to the moon. Right, so this is Emrakul letting Jace win at chess, but she hasn't turned the pieces against them yet. Yet. And I guess Liliana's kind of doing shit uh, this whole time as well. Yeah. She was, like, raising a zombie army and oh. fighting, and it was, like, she was the last hope, but then... Right, because she, she, like, took the oath of the Gatewatch and was, like, trying to help, too. But then, I guess, she, I think she, like, holds Emrakul off with the chain veil while they're all in the yeah. nightmare mode. Or also probably, like, fighting all the tentacle monsters with the zombies, probably. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, that that's totally it. She's like holding off Emrakul because I think part of Jace's nightmare was like, oh, by the way, Liliana's gonna die, and then he wakes up and Liliana's all KO'd. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. While that is all happening, and that's kind of the end of the Emrakul <laughs> stuff. Emrakul has been imprisoned in the moon for now. For now. For now. Um, cross your fucking fingers, Emrakul doesn't come back in the fucking. I wedding. really hope it's not in this return. If the if the back. wedding gets crashed by this fucking Emrakul moon <laughs> shit, it'll be so annoying. God. But then again, it's like, when are we coming back to Innistrad if not now? So when is Emrakul coming back? Just wait. Are just they gonna wait, wait ten years, fifteen years? Yeah, like it's just like. I a, mean, that'd be great for me. But it's a bomb that's gonna go off at some point, but hopefully not at the wedding. I really want something else. I. We're already setting up for Phyrexians and things and a lot of other stuff going on. We don't need to add Eldrazi to it right now. I think. I don't but, know. But but yeah, you made this point earlier but couldn't expand on the point because we hadn't gotten to the climax yet. Yes. But I guess you're basically saying that Emrakul chose her chess pieces. Like she mm-hmm. turned half the people crazy. And the other half had to defeat her. And they did. And that's what she but wanted. But really, they were always all her pieces. Remember that? Yes. And she wanted to be imprisoned in the moon. And she let it happen. Mm-hmm. And kind of made it happen. Um, so ultimately, the Gatewatch fucking suck. And they Much do... like Gristlebrand. Oh my god. There's yeah. just so many like... Whoa, that's... He wanted to get imprisoned in the Hellbomb. Whoa. Weird. That's kind of cool. Holy shit. Magic. Stories. Making sense. <laughs> that's nuts. Um, it, it also just continues to remind you that like the Gatewatch kind of suck. Like, 
yeah. I guess they killed all the <laughs> other Eldrazi. That's great. But then this is the beginning of them sucking. And then in the rest of the stories, they're just not really good. They they got real cocky after beating the first two Eldrazi. Thought they could take anyone on. And then Emrakul slaps them. Nicol Bolas slaps them. Tezzeret slaps <laughs> them. Yeah. 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 And then they fucking have... Well, and then the War of the Spark. We might do a War of the Spark at some point, but... Oh, that'd be so fun. Just so I can watch that trailer again. Oh, the trailer. Yeah, if we, if we can just talk about the trailer for that, that'd be great. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you... I, don't, I can't read that book again. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> well, I'll rely on you because I'm not going to read it. I'll literally just be like... All right. I'll, I'll just speak to the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. What I really want to talk about is uh, Nahiri and Soren because that's really important. And that actually ties in with the War of the Spark, which we were just talking about. So Sure does. While this is all happening... Um, or right after, basically, because like at this point, Olivia Valderin has felt like her her um, allegiance with Soren is kind of finished because she did her part, and Nahiri mm-hmm. is fighting Soren in uh, uh, the Markov Manor, and they're you know trading blows, and Soren's realizing that Nahiri's a lot stronger than she used to be, and she spent a lot of time getting better in the Hell Vault, which was not what yeah. he thought was going to happen. And, and also getting pretty pissed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's you, whenever you fight somebody and they're more pissed than you, you tend to have a hard time winning. Um, right. <laughs> so anyway, um, all of this is just six thousand years of adrenaline built up. So. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, basically it ends with her putting him into stone as well, and also stabbing him with some sort of blades like, like hot because she she makes like these like molten five molten rock blade things that shoot at you right um so she kind of pushed him into the stone and stabbed him with one of those things uh so he wouldn't die but he's in enough pain that he can't planes walk away because he can't think of anything but the pain he's in is what his but he also the her idea was like he has to watch his plane die or whatever. yes you know like he can still see it so i guess technically that was happening while emrakul was still going on because yeah, yeah yeah she yeah she didn't know that her plan had failed so yet. then what the fuck did olivia voldaren do <laughs> nothing she just had no no she was just part of the vampire army that fought like the cultists and that's it and then nahiri and soren had their like one-on-one battle and then olivia's like okay whatever i'm out all right, yeah. I feel like Olivia did fucking nothing for Innistrad, but whatever. <laughs> well, she actually comes back and like laughs at Soren after he's turned to stone. It's like, yeah. I'm, I'm the new queen in town. And she was like, oh, I can help you, but I'm not going to. Um, anyway, so he's yeah. just chilling there for a long time. Um, Maybe he's not her husband, actually. Isn't he still in stone, as far as we know? No, he's not in stone, and that's really important to know, because he does appear in War of the Spark... Because somehow he gets out of stone, and we don't. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. We don't know why he or how he got out. All we know is that he was fighting Nahiri at the War of the Spark in Ravnica, but we don't know how he got out, what happened with that fight, and what's happening now. We have no clue, because in the story in War of the Spark, their fight is like three sentences long. It's just like. And then also Soren and Nahiri are fighting in the sky. By the way, they did that thing. But they're, they're really far away, and, and they're having their own battle. And like that's it. And you're like... Hopefully he doesn't underestimate her this time, because that yeah, was his... But downfall. like, what, what the fuck? 
So, like, some people say that Soren got out of the stone because the planar beacon was pulling him to Ravnica, and so it was enough help for him to planeswalk. Um, but we don't know for sure. It could also have been another person helped him out. We don't know. And now we're kind of at the end of the story, right? Now we're kind of doing speculation of what's going on. Is Sword really the groom? It feels like they're kind of trying to throw us off the scent, but it could be the same thing where they're like, oh, we don't know who the groom is yet, but you know it's Soren. Same as, oh, we don't know why things are going wrong with Innistrad, but you know it's Emrakul. Right. You know? Although I did just think of one thing we left out. The angel amalgamation disgusting Oh, oh shit, yeah. Um, Brisella, is that? Yes. Is that who we're talking about? Yeah, so while the Emrakul gatewatch battle is going on there's also kind of like the bigger war going on not just the much like you know the cultists fighting the vampires and Sorn and Nahiri are fighting there's also like Emrakul's minions against Emrakul's non-minions and Brucella is kind of the leader of the, the minions and I guess this is where Arlen Cord actually factors into the story because that was my original question is like does Arlen Cord just do absolutely nothing <laughs> And I guess she kind of helps in this fight. I don't know. Um, and Thalia's there, you know, the one who broke the Hell Vault and kind of caused all this shit. Um, but I guess Sigarda eventually just destroys her former sisters who have now turned into a giant blob. That makes sense. You know, yeah. angels. And that's the card Sigarda's aid when she comes oh. in. Oh. She, like, provides the weapon or something. Yeah. That makes sense. Because that, fuck, that card's so good. Makes sense how it could kill a, a, a weird abomination angel, angel amalgamation. <laughs> yeah, that card's really good. I mean, is really bad, so it's like... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that was like, Brisella was the commander of Emrakul's minions, kind of the queen, I guess, of Emrakul's minions, and mm-hmm. Sigarda was the queen for talking chess of the... Uh, the light and Sigarda ends up winning that battle. Gotcha. Sick. So she's still around. I mean, we've seen the preview, so we know. Yeah, that. so we know. Um, she she survives this war as the only one who is totally sane the whole time. Yeah, RIP the other ones. Um, yeah, it's weird. I guess like it is funny. I don't know why they brought back Lisa or like we'll we'll find out in the story. I guess. Um, so check out our. You know, drunken Borthos of whatever the story is going to be about this. We don't know what it is yet, yeah. but we're going to do one probably. Yeah, um, we'll do we'll do a post uh, post post set analysis. Exactly. I think at the end, after we know the full story, we'll do one. Um, but yeah, like I thoroughly. So this is also the fun thing about drunken Borthos for us is that I didn't know a lot of the stuff before doing this episode, so I had to do some research, right. and it was tons of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. Especially, like, the original Innistrad, it's really hard to actually find information about it. Yeah, it really you is. Know? Like, we are lucky in the day and age we're at, <laughs> is that most of the sets have their little stories that go along with them. Um, mm-hmm. They've been kind of on and off uh, at some points, and it kind of changes uh, set by set, event, uh, typically. But mm-hmm. when we do get, like, at least a five-story little uh, thing... It's really nice. It's fun. Hey. Yeah. Uh, we Obviously, we do this because sometimes the game can get you down and you're just playing cards and maybe not winning or maybe not things aren't going your way. 
the story and looking at the cards can be a lot more fun and really give you some life. So uh, we just want to remind you that. Yeah, I mean, we were talking in the break, but it reminded me of this. So, like, Anguished Unmaking is one of my go-to cards of, like, I like that card more now because I know the story. Yeah. Right? Originally, it's just like, oh, exile a non-land permanent, you gain three, or you lose three life, Jesus. And uh, <laughs> and that now I know that Soren unmaking, like, his child or, like, a part of him in Avacyn. So it pains him so much that yeah. he has to do it. And it also exiles because Avacyn was indestructible. It's just like all these things line up and you're just like, that's a really cool design. Yeah, you're like, that's that's really cool. Like there's a lot of stuff and they do that all the time, especially with a lot uh, of... Uh, yeah. Like we're going to talk that's about... That's a card you might not think twice about otherwise, right? Like, and I didn't for just years. exiles something. I really yeah. didn't. Like I had that and I thought it was the same as like any of the other white black cards that did stuff that was similar. But like... You know, obviously they put a lot of work in these cards and the art and making everything fit together. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, every once in a while it's nice to go through and, and, and be reminded of that. So that's why I like doing this. This is probably like not only the three beers I had right now, but the couple of drinks I had before we did the episode. It's starting to talk, <laughs> yeah. but it's getting to the bro, you know. Man, you know, yeah, yeah. I love you, bro, kind of, t kind of talk. So... <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the only hole in our research, I would say, is, like, we should have looked up, what's the name of the third Eldrazi Titan before <laughs> the show, so that, so that we could just have that, you know, nailed down. <laughs> I'll send oh, that man. article to you, you know? Oh, my God. I don't know why I had such a hard time with that. I don't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ulamog, right? U Ulamog's yeah, yeah. the one? You, you got it. You nailed it. Oh, no, wait, wait. It's Kozilek. Kozilek's the one that comes to Innistrad. Is that the one? It's Emra Kulamog. <laughs> Emra Kulamog. Uh, anyway, uh, that is our drunken Borthos for the Innistrad backstory. I hope you enjoyed yeah. uh, it. <laughs> for those of you Innistrad supervans out there that are like, I can't believe they didn't mention this, this, and this. Uh, we'll get to it later, but please let us know. Yeah, please let us know, but we probably won't get to it later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I'm going to down this and let's go to a beer review. Right, our, our last yeah. our last call. Well, we have one more. We yeah, we have to well, we have a last call, so we got to we got to drink another one. That's right, last call. Wow, I'm way more drunk than you. This episode this is bad. <laughs> this is bad news. All right, Jeff, which beer do we have for last call? All right, our last call beer is Corona Extra. That's right. Which I'm pretty sure there's no Corona uh, regular. Yeah. I think it's like Coronita, like it refers to the size of the beer. So this is a tall boy, so it's Corona Extra. And then like a bottle oh. is Corona and then the mini bottles are Coronita. Is that true? Interesting. Really? Oh, interesting. I think it's all the same beer, but it like refers to how much uh, beer you're getting. Huh. But uh, I'm also just making that up right now, kind Perfect. of. Perfect. So that uh, that's be, what we've been doing. I don't want to like ruin our 100% accuracy rate. Yeah, I was going to say, we've been doing that for the whole fucking episode. So, what? you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, obviously, Corona is from Mexico. It's 4.6%, and it was founded in 1925. Obviously. Obviously. Um, we just wanted to keep our, hey, 
oldest to newest thing for our Silver Series. I thought that'd be fun. Yeah, of course. That's just how we do Silver Series. Mm -hmm. Of course. Why would you think otherwise? Um, Yeah. I also have a lime wedge for myself because I always drink Coronas with a lime. I'm tasting it a little bit without it just to get those flavors, but I'm probably going to add the lime because that's how it should be drank, I guess. That's what I think. I, I came unprepared. I have no lime in my fridge, so Zach Zach chose this beer, but he didn't put lime on the grocery list. So yeah, my bad. Sorry about it. Um, we are rating these beers right now, right in front of your ears, and uh, <laughs> we are putting them. We have four beers, and we have four slots. They're silver one through four. Four is the worst. One is the best. And each beer in each section gets points. I guess to make it really confusing, the opposite of what it is. So inversely proportional. To yes. It. So if they it is, blame arena, man, if silver four was the highest tier of silver in arena, this would be very easy. You're right. You were very right. So silver one uh, beer gets four points. Silver two gets three. Silver three gets two and silver four gets one. And then whichever beer gets the most points wins the night and will move on to the gauntlet or whatever at some point. Uh, whenever that is. I don't know. However, we decide to do that. Maybe first and second will move on. I don't know. Whatever we said. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure, Well, last time, Bud Light won for sure. So mm-hmm. we will, uh, <laughs> depending on how much you want Labat Blue to also move on, uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. But Well, I'm just thinking how many like of these do we do to have a real bracket? But, that's yeah. true. Uh, we, we don't really know yet. So don't uh, hold us accountable to anything. If this is like European football, you know, we're in the group stage and usually the top two move on. Mm-hmm. Then there's like a wild card or something. I guess American football does that too that's true that's true all right um i'm adding my lime right now to my beer because it's time okay i drank a good amount so zach is gonna have five tiers (laughs) one for corona and one for corona with with lime lime. (laughs) yeah i think the lime will be just like a it's kind of a cheat it's almost like a belgian moon or a blue moon if you're american like me uh with an orange and i really don't like having blue moon without an orange um Corona is similar, so I tend to consider it a part of the beer, but as I'm going to rate it, I'll probably consider it without that in it. Okay, so you've made a decision. You're just adding the lime now to enjoy the beer. Yes, I'm adding the lime to enjoy the beer, but I know I'm going to rate it on what the beer actually is because, you know, if you wanted lime in it, you should have fucking just put lime in it. Yeah, like Bud Light Lime, right? Yeah, because that's superior (laughs) to other beers. (laughs) All right. Here we go. For Silver Four, what do you have, Jeff? What's your Silver Four beer? Okay. Don't want to be that guy, but I have Corona. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's my Silver Four. All right. I see, I, I see that. Sorry, I, Corona Extra. Oh, Extra. Right, right, right. With or without the lime? <laughs> uh, without. Uh, I actually dunked a lemon in it because I didn't have any lime. And oh, it's horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because lemons are horrible. Four. So, just kidding. <laughs> lemons are not horrible. I do like them. They're just not better than limes. Um, uh, well, you're wrong about that. So, my silver four uh, changed throughout the episode. I really had one pegged, like 100% pegged. And, yeah, uh, we all know it was Heineken. But <laughs> yeah, I was 100% putting Heineken here. But uh, turns out it's Sapporo. That beer is not awesome. <laughs> uh, I have been trying to drink With, that. But there's recently. no sushi and soy sauce involved. Yeah, you know, maybe you that's drink it. The Sapporo. I think every Sapporo I've had recently just tasted. It's the same taste 
as like the fucking PBRs we had the other Silver Series, where mm. it just tastes dusty. It's like there's a weird something in it that tastes bad, and I don't like it. Um, so yeah, um, l- let's go back and forth. So my Silver Three, okay, I'll do we'll my like Silver Snake Three. Draft this bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a, <laughs> it works better that way. This is actually hard. Let me taste. Let me taste this again. Okay, now t- mentally take the lime flavor out. Out. <laughs> oh, this is rough. Because I know you just love lime. It so. might have changed, man. I don't know what happened. I'm going to say Corona. This is crazy. Ooh, yeah. This is crazy. I don't even know what's happening to me right now. What's your silver three? So this is interesting because without a doubt for this one, it's Sapporo. I didn't really like that beer. <laughs> the same reaction you had, I was like, oh. I don't know about this. Yeah. So silver three for me is, is Sapporo. It's Sapporo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I it, I always thought I liked Sapporo, but I've been drinking it recently and it's not great. Honestly, for me, Sapporo and like Corona had basically that same taste of like, uh, yeah. whatever. Um, but Sapporo had like a little more alcohol content, so it got the nod. Gotcha. But... I, I wonder if, because Corona didn't have the same dust taste that I'm talking about with uh, Sapporo. But, like, mm-hmm. Corona, I also have some fond memories, and the lime ritual is, I do like, it's not even just the taste of the lime, but it's the fact that you get a thing to do, and you always get a bottle in a bar, and you can put the lime in and stick your thumb on the top and flip it upside down, and the lime moves, and, like, that's part of the fun of it. No, um, that's a real thing. Like, why do you think rituals are such a big part of humanity? It's yeah. Like, a psychological so they, they did build that in, and they did a good job, but I don't think they did it a good enough job to make me think the beer is actually really good. Um, but I do, yeah. I p- will probably pick up Corona more often than some of the other ones, but just because of that, but I don't Depends think the Depends how often you good. eat sushi. <laughs> yeah. Um, so your silver two, you are up. What What's your silver yeah. two? Uh, it's Heineken. You know, Heineken is what it is. It, it's not great, but uh, it's fine. I agree. Heineken is also my silver two, which I was expecting it to be my silver four. I really right. did think it was going to be the worst. But after I had the first sip, I was like, wow, this doesn't... Usually, I think Heineken is being kind of skunky. And like mm-hmm. it's that type of beer that I don't always like. But I I liked it. That was weird. I... It's I think if I had to guess coming into this, I would have had Sapporo rated above Heineken. And now that I actually like tasted them back to back even, I was just like, oh no. That's exactly so. how I felt too. Because I was 100% like, Heineken's going to be the worst. I'm going to like Sapporo probably second and then Corona. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew coming into this that Silver One was going to be Stella because I... Yeah, and uh, it didn't disappoint. Yeah, it did not disappoint. We had it first, but I... I love Stella. It's definitely one of the ones I've had a lot. Like if I go to a bar and they have Stella and they have the chalices, I like having the chalice. It's nice. There's a reason it's been around for fucking 600 plus years. I was going to say, you could taste 650 years of flavor. Yeah. So um, (laughs) Stella is, is the real deal, man. Like, I think it's the front runner for the whole silver series competition. Honestly, I really think it like it could it, it's the one that can push ahead. Like I'm excited to taste it back-to-back to, back to some of the other winners at some point. Yeah, that'll be really fun. Um, 
because ultimately we want this to be like, what's the best camping beer? Now, it is hard because I don't know if Stella is the camping beer I would want. It's only 5%. Not just that, but like I always like Stella poured into a glass. And I usually drink camping mm-hmm. beers out of a beer, out of a bottle or bottle, out of, out of a can. But Stella is, you know, it's the one that could be pushed up into gold, you know? Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. And get an honorary platinum as far as like how often I buy it. Because <laughs> it's definitely the one that I like and my fiance likes a lot as well. So I'm happy that we agreed on this. Uh, Stella gets a full eight points, which is the highest it could get. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Heineken got a six. Surprising six points. Yeah, I, I was really thinking it was going to get like four. But um, mm-hmm. hey, change of heart, I guess. And then Sapporo right. and Corona are, you know. But I'm also glad that like when I drank the Heineken after the Stella I was like oh yeah well the Stella's obviously better mm-hmm. for me you know like yeah obviously everyone's different but I my brain wasn't tricking me when I it told me that I liked Stella better than Heineken you know? exactly like I like yeah, I had a Stella and then drank, drank a Heineken and it wasn't I don't know if it was like was something from the Stella took over the skunkiness that I always feel like I taste from a Heineken. There was still some Stella on your tongue. So Maybe. The Heineken tasted better. But, you know, Heineken was significantly better than I was remembering. And so... Um, I mean, Heineken has the, the green bottles, right? So it is... It can get skunked. But I guess Corona also has that uh, issue. Well, co- yeah, it can block all the sunlight. Yeah, is the idea. But, like... I don't know. Of all these, I was surprised Sapporo was the worst. I really didn't. Didn't you say you mm-hmm. used to work at a sushi restaurant, right? Yeah. And you. Yeah, there was a, you know, a guy from Japan there, and he was a young guy. I was, I was in my early twenties. He was probably in his mid twenties. He was one of the chefs there, and he was telling me that, uh, basically in Japan, Sapporo's thought of as kind of the old man beer, like, he, him and his friends wouldn't go out and order a Sapporo. It would be. I don't know what the equivalent is here, but like the thing the old guys always order and stick to that and never order anything new. And that's kind of their image there. And that's why they started marketing internationally and had all these like cool, really cool uh, commercials and stuff to make you think, Oh, this is the hip, cool Japan beer. And it's like, he's like, no, no, you, we don't drink that there really. Which makes sense now. Cause I'm like, yeah. When you told me that story originally, I was like, really? I think Sapporo is pretty good. And now it's like, no, that beer is not good. And there yeah. have been a couple times where I've had it and I felt like there was something off with the actual can. Nope, it's just the beer is not, it's not good. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I'll drink it because it's beer. Um, and it's, yeah, yeah. It's not like, uh, it's not bronze, but like it might be, you know, it's on par with PBR, <laughs> you know. You have it at Silver 4, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. That's where you put PBR. So. <laughs> exactly, that's how I feel about it. Um, we are coming to closing time. We, closing uh, time. Oh, you give me the song. That's so nice. We haven't had the song I haven't anymore. done it in a while. I know. It's good. Um, <laughs> if you want to talk to us about your favorite silver beers or what you feel, uh, how you think Sapporo is better than we think, uh, you can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Or, hey, if we missed anything in the Innistrad story, let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find us on MTG Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. 
If you want to talk to me personally about, I don't know, whatever, you can find me at Zulberg, that's C-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? Find me at BluesBruiseMTG on Twitter, spelled like it sounds. Also, we'd love it if you just gave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, follow us on all the places that you are listening to us right now. Um, all of that engagement really helps a lot with the, the podcast. And also just, you know, our uh, mental state. We'd, we'd like to know if you like us. Um, it helps. This has been the Arena Regulars. Putting you in the hell vault. We'll let you out in a week. Good night. That's fine.